you start it. Boom. <laughs> so now we're all right. Give it eight seconds. Eight seconds. Five, four, three, two. I'm sitting here with Trey Island. Trey, how are you doing today? Oh, Jay, I'm doing good. Thank you. Much appreciate for having me on to the podcast today, man. Absolutely. This is a day of first. This is the uh, the first episode recorded since a, a long hiatus, so it's good to be back. And uh, let's see some of the other firsts. This is probably the first time I've had someone who I've actually had to share a hotel room with, uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, for those that don't know Trey, Trey is a software security analyst, and when he is not coding to make his company's you know, business safer. He is also a live streamer uh, doing the Wrestle with Tech uh, productions. And I've seen a lot of those videos, a lot of, it's a wide variety of things that we'll, we'll talk about in a, in a few minutes. But yes. probably the, the, I would say maybe the one and only, like, I mean, I've had like, I've had acrobats on here. Um, I've had like yogis on here. I have never had a professional wrestler on the podcast until today. So this <laughs> is this is uh what's I forgot what the wrestling name is. It's uh Oh gotcha. Oh well right well right now it's Dr. Trey. Dr. Trey. It, it did start off as uh like Island Thunder, play off my last name. So it's always like an evolution. You kind of feel like what's what's currently going on with your character. So right now, Dr. Trey it is. <laughs> Dr. Trey, like like Dr. Dre. I I get it. Okay. Yeah, I, I love puns. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. And I, I think that's that is something that's cool. So we're gonna break down all of those things, but let's let's start with the day job, the software security analyst. Like sure. how how did you get into that gig? Sure, no problem. So um yeah, so originally I was actually living in Georgia. It was around 2012. I was still in uh college at the time, Macon State College. I believe it's changed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I class forget. Of, dropout oh, class of 2007. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old Stafford grads. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I was uh, actually working for tech support at the time, going to school as well as being a IT tutor. Um, the stars just kind of aligned, and an opportunity opened up at Robbins Air Force Base, and they needed to fill a contract position, so they needed to bring in bodies. And it just so happened, uh, I was available that day, came in for the interview, got hired the next day, and my career started as a developer, actually. So I did .NET Java development on the base, working on websites, and I did that for about a year. Um, I did enjoy it. We had a really good, solid team, but you know, you know, as you're doing things, you start to know your own worth. And for one, I did know I was being highly underpaid. And I'm not even going to talk about how the contract was. The contract was terrible. <laughs> but the Air Force started to really start to use or understand that we needed to lock down our applications more uh, securely using other tools. In this case, it was HP Fortify. Not sure if you've heard about that, but it was it's one of the many software security and, and uh, analysis tools. It does DAST and SAS, so static and dynamic. And I just wanted to know more about that side of the house. So I knew how to make websites. I knew how to use JavaScript, JSON. I knew all that stuff. Not to say that I was an expert, but I kind of, you know, I knew enough of it. And so I wanted to learn, okay, how do we actually ensure what we're putting out is safe? And so I kind of took it upon myself to become the guy on the team to learn that tool. After that, I ended up moving to another contract across the hall where I, where it went from 
70, 30, so development to security, to switching that over. 70 security, 30 development. Um, did that for about a year as well. And then I moved to another position in Illinois where it was security full-time. Um, and so within those couple of years, been moving around back and forth. Eventually, I was able to work remotely because I was able to prove my skill set, prove to my managers that they could trust me working not from the facility, but from my house or from a coffee shop, just meeting deadlines. Well, first off, <laughs> attending meetings, right? Making your deadlines, proving your work, having metrics. And, and for me personally, I work better in that type of environment, um, just being able to uh, not have to be stuck to a physical location um, at all times. I get to change it up. So, yeah. So I've been doing that ever since uh, 2015 is when I fully switched to software security, and I've been doing that contractually uh, ever since then. And I've and I've been joy- I've enjoyed it because there's always something to learn. There's no there's no upper echelon because there's always some new vulnerability coming out, and you have to keep your skill set up to help your business, the enterprise, and help developers understand why they may have a problem and how to fix it. And if I remember correctly, um, you are now doing the management side of things too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the contract that I'm currently on, uh, I've just been grinding, you know, two to the grindstone and they've just seen my work, my body of work that's spoken for itself. And eventually we got some more bodies. So they allowed me to have additional members underneath me. And so I got to train them up. So, uh, for me, it helps because they already had the development background. So it was almost like I had a template for how I started my career. And it kind of helped that they already had that playbook. So we have people that knew Python or .NET. So talking, and that's the biggest thing with security, you need to be able to talk to developers. So if you already have that language, and not to say specifically that language, but if you understand what variables are and web services, REST APIs, then it's easier for you to communicate when we're doing these static code scans or or dynamic scans when you see a vulnerability because it tells you, hey, this area in your application, it's susceptible to this type of vulnerability. Uh, in some cases, if it's static, it'll say this is the file, this is the function, this is why it may be a problem. If you can talk the language of the developer, it's easier to break it down because uh, I've seen it where we've had, well, not my contract, but I've seen it in other positions where you have people that only know security, but they really don't know development. So that language is just broken down completely. Um, so it really helps to have members of my team that kind of have that knowledge base. So when we're having those meetings, they can easily kind of talk to the developers and they under, and they can even see their code and say, oh, okay, I understand why the developer did this. Uh, I understand why the tool flagged it. Maybe you need to make this slight modification. So uh, yeah, it's been really good having team members underneath me and to help educate them, to see them grow. Personally, I feel very proud of that. And and some of it is just their personality too, because I can tell people that want to continuously learn. And those are the type of people that I love on my team. Uh, I will never say I know everything. And I, I don't like anybody that ever says that because there's always room to grow. And those are the type of team members that I enjoy uh, having underneath me that I enjoy to, we'll have a team meeting or a stand up the next day and they'll be like, Hey, after work, just on my own, I started to look at this type of vulnerability. This is really cool. I'm thinking about doing some automation. And it's just, you see the light in their eyes, you see that passion. And when you have that, you have a really solid team, in my opinion. You know, that's, that's one of the things that we talked about a little bit before the recording. Uh, we started recording here was, the idea of just being passionate about the work that you're putting in 
And, you know, that's that's something that I learned a long time ago with uh, just doing the community stuff, doing the uh, pit stuff, which I mean, you've been a you've been a member of the pit community for like almost two years now. It's crazy right. how long I've known you and, and just seeing you go from the guy that's like meeting after meeting after meeting and then just having that passion yourself to want to learn how to write the code and make things happen. And now you're going into a position to where you're seeking out people with that same passion and training them up uh, just so that they can continue the progress that that you've been making. But it allows you to develop your management skills, which I've, I've spoken with plenty of developers turned senior level developers turned developer managers. And and man, you know, it's it's kind of like you, you have a you have a little bit of a military background too. So like you understand the the concept of like you have those working senior enlisted officers and then you have those like administrative senior enlisted officers and and kind of that different path. And I think that was one of the things that I had always known about myself was I never wanted to be that person that was just doing admin work or just doing right. management. I wanted to be the person that was like I'm leading the team, but we're out in the field making things happen. And and it's interesting to see someone be able to balance both sides of that. And that's something that I, I think a lot of uh, developers, especially senior level developers, they struggle with. They either go from, you know, I forget all the code that I ever wrote, and now I'm just a, a people manager, or I am supposed to be managing people, but I can't take my hands out of the code. And that tends to cause issues elsewhere. No, definitely. I completely agree with that. That's usually, that's usually how it goes, right? It's like you're, you're a developer, right? You're doing what you love. You love it. And then eventually you get moved out of development, right? And for me, it was a choice to move to security. Uh, but even I see that in just regular day-to-day that you have that senior uh, developer and then, oh, we need a physici- position to be pit, uh, filled. And now that person moves out of that role. And also because uh, ho- how agile is working and everybody's moving so fast, that person, not only does he move out of that role, but he takes his knowledge with him. Um, because you don't have those people underneath because uh, the business is moving so fast. People are moving in and out of projects. So that's definitely a problem that I do see. Uh, for me personally, I still try to do development in my own personal life. And it works for me because I'm not doing it nine to five anymore. So it's, it, it becomes a passion project. So if I want to try to work on a website, or if I want to just learn how to do Python gaming or something like that, it's not that oh, we have a project that we have to build to that's never going to be 40 hours, 40 hours for this week. It's that I get to, hey, if I have time, let me do this. And it's fresh. It's on my mind. And so it's, it's almost up to me to keep my skill set alive. And if something comes from that as far as a side project, it's completely all mine. But that is one of the problems that I did have, at least when I was a full-time developer. Uh, a, scope creep. And B, uh, moving moving that knowledge base away from their passion uh, because you have to you have to fill the position. So, yeah. so I've talked about this uh, book several times over the two years of this podcast, "How to Be Everything" by Emily Wapnick. Um, if, if you've not read it, and actually, what's funny is I remember having conversations with you, Trey, and just being like, "I need to send this book to you because you've got like this perfect." like mentality. Uh, if you look at my email signature, it says, uh, productivity coach and head multi-potentialite. And, and 
I own that phrase because of that book. Like that book got me open to the idea of saying it's okay to claim the things that you do outside of your nine to five, outside of that title, because a lot of that defines who you are. Like Einstein worked in a patent office, you know, before he was, you know, a a major scientist and, and contributed all these things. And we tend to forget that, that like, just because we're a security analyst by day, and I think this is a good segue, we, we can then turn to, you know, all right, after five o'clock, Trey Island no longer exists. And now it's Dr. Trey. And and let's talk about that. What what became the reason for wanting to not only do security and like doing the security analyst stuff, but then also get into professional wrestling? Sure. Yeah, Actually, that was a very good segue. Well played. <laughs> um, no, I've always been a fan of pro wrestling because it's it's stories come to life. And favorite always, favorite wrestler go <laughs> uh, all right uh oh, oh get oh, to my head i have to say Shawn michaels i have to say Shawn michaels uh, heartbreak awesome. kid okay okay Heart, heartbreak kid Shawn michaels. Uh, yeah um yeah it's it's because it's i mean wrestling is comic books come to life it's those stories and and even other type of stories it's like you you have this narrative that these characters or these actors these people they're putting on with their bodies and you know even with uh, pre-tapes and footage and if you follow that you can kind of see how this story evolves you can see how how characters change over the course of a lifetime right and you can see how people's skill sets improve as well and so for me i've always been a fan of wrestling it's something me and my father used to watch uh back in the day he used to love it rick flair uh randy savage uh, hulk hogan all those guys uh, brutus the beefcake all those and it was just something that's always stuck with me those type of stories and so just life does happen there's a couple of times that i try i wanted to do it or i tried to do it but uh, i got i was in the military at one point got called overseas so couldn't do it then and then i wanted to get back in college and so just life happens uh, but you know eventually things kind of worked out and when we me and my wife we moved to denver it was probably the second weekend we were here. There was a pro wrestling show literally right outside of our apartment because we're in downtown Denver. And I was like, what? And I went and saw it. And it just, I was like, oh my God. And I didn't know that Denver or Colorado in general uh, just happens to be a hotbed for independent wrestling. So long story short, I ended up trying out with Mercury Pro Wrestling Academy. And fast forward a couple of years, uh, about a year and a half, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having matches now, right? And it's Rocky Mountain Pro is the actual organization, and so I'm learning how those those uh, in ring skills. I'm learning the footwork. I'm learning to communicate. I'm learning not to to go so fast to just hit, hit each move. It is a dance. It really is. And so it's learning how to not only use your body but use the audience, work the camera, and it's bringing all of these things together. Because um, if I wasn't going to be in security or do any type of programming, I was going to actually go into acting because I did do a little bit in community college and I enjoyed it. So it's almost like bringing it together. Um, So you have that theatrical component, you have the physical component. And now with the whole, and I know we're going to get into it with the streaming, it's almost bringing all of my skill sets together in one house and allowing me to expand that because this passion, wrestling isn't just wrestling that people see in the ring. There's everything that happens behind the scenes too. And uh, once we get into the um, the streaming stuff, I will tell you how I kind of got my first itch into even wanting to do anything with video. But 
yeah, just there's just so many things you can do storyline wise with wrestling. That's why it's always reached out to me. And when I finally had a chance to do it, and I did talk to my wife because she was like, I did not marry a professional wrestler. I was like, I know. <laughs> but she did support me. And that's, that's <coughs> the biggest thing that I can say. She believes in me so much. I don't know why. But um, yeah, I just went for it. And now, like I said, about a year and a half, two years later, I'm still doing it. And we're continuing to grow. You know, I, I remember the first couple of times you're like sending me links and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I know a professional wrestler. And like, I'm going to watch him. And then like, I think I was like going through clips. And I was like, I didn't see you. And you're like, oh, yeah, dude, they needed a security guy. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, how, how does that work? <laughs> like, but yes. So you're talking about knowing the different roles. Like it isn't, especially when you're at the, you know, the WWE has this this huge I guess television monopoly on wrestling, but you know, the, the wrestling scene has not always been, you know, the, the multi pyrotechnics and things like that. I mean, even if you go a few miles South of, you know, where I live in San Diego, you go to like Tijuana where they have, you know, luchador wrestling. And, and that's just amazing to see that. And it's always been like that. It's always been like this, this tradition. And like you said, it's a dance of, of people who enjoy not necessarily beating the snot out of each other because that's what people tend to think. And, and, you know, you do hear of some of these, these, I guess, uh, darker stories where a lot of the effects over time have caused some mental issues and mental instability. But more than anything, you have this huge, you know, array of people who wanted to act or wanted to put on a show for people. And they just happened to have the physique that allowed them to take a beating, you know, every once in a while. So wrestling was this, this just natural transition for them. No, exactly right. And there's, there's this, this uh, camaraderie in the, not only in the locker room that you're like with Mercury Pro Wrestling Academy, but just as you travel, because we're, we're, we're not just normal, stable people, you know, like we're going out in our, our tights and or whatever. And we have these costumes and designs and we're putting our bodies on the line because we enjoy, we enjoy doing this. We enjoy seeing the looks on the fans faces, whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, you're invoking this reaction. And so that's why it's, it's, it's multifaceted wrestling is there's just so many different things that are happening. So yeah, I did start off as a security guard, but that was my role at the time. That's, you know, you had that because sometimes you can have an unruly crowd. So you do need to have people around just to make sure, you know, people aren't belligerent or they're not trying to actually get into the ring. But that was my role at the time. And I was completely fine with that because you're still learning. Um, I do remember like the first couple of nights I was, as a, I was a, a security guard. I was out there because I could still see the matches. What I would do is I would just look at people's feet because that's very important, how you actually move in the ring. You can tell if people are stumbling around. And so I didn't look at the anything above their feet. I would just watch. And I was like, footwork. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. And so there's so many things to learn in so many different areas, even when you're not actually in that ring. And and we can use that to, to transition into this last thing. This is something that you're you're still actively learning, but but jumping into with the the streaming and and doing video and audio production where where did that come out of cuz I, I know you mentioned earlier that you wanted to be in you you were talking about doing theater and wanting to be an actor and and really streaming is that it is like i think it's so funny i listened to uh 
I, I, I'm not a vlog person. I don't like follow people that do vlogs, but there are some internet personalities that I do enjoy watching and they've even mentioned like, okay, look, you're getting like a five minute snippet of, of a certain character that I'm portraying. You know, the, the person that's me on camera is not necessarily the person that I am when the camera's off. And that's not a negative thing. That's just, it's, it is what it is. And and that's one of the things that I've had to figure out. And I'm, I'm sorry. M- most people are used to the super excited, like, Hey man, everybody, what's going on? Da-da. Like I, right now I'm sick. <laughs> like I've been packing up along. I had to take the day off. Like I am trying not to cough as loud as I can. Um, and because of that, I'm, I'm a little bit more reserved, but I've had people that have listened to certain episodes of this podcast and say like, hey, man, what was up with, you know, episode 24? You sounded a little off. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I had like a head cold. And it, it's hard. Like the best actors are able to work outside of that. Like, have you uh, you've heard of the Indiana Jones story, right? Uh, oh, yeah. With the uh, when the guy's doing the swords and then he, uh, Harrison Ford shoots him. because yeah. he's just tired. <laughs> exactly. Like you have this. That's the idea that that streaming has, but I'm going to let you explain it a little bit more. Talk about how you got into the streaming game. Sure, no problem. Um, so yeah, so I will say like I've always kind of had an, an itch for or, or respect <coughs> for acting. Uh, it's something I did just very partially when I was in uh, community college, um, when I was just trying to find myself. I was in just a very few small plays. I wish I had the videotapes. Look at looking back, right. 50 you know the vision but uh, i um, wish you had them too so i could uh they could find their way onto youtube sometime <laughs> right i'm sure with our internet watch it's gonna pop up somewhere like oh, you know well <laughs> it, it's probably on there if if i were if i were serious enough about this i would i would probably do some sleuthing and i'm sure i would find something but i'll, I'll, I'll give you a break this time no problem but no um but yeah uh, so what happened was the rocky mountain pro the wrestling organization that i'm with here in uh, denver colorado they became an official partner with twitch uh twitch is an online streaming service for it mostly started off as a video game streaming service right so people are playing their games you're watching them commenting that's how it started but it slowly started to uh grow beyond that because people started to see the capabilities of doing live streaming and having that interaction um so yeah so now it allows you to basically you know just have a show on there because they have different categories right they have like in real life talk shows and now they added a category for wrestling twitch wanted to bring in wrestling fans to beef up their platform to add additional content that people may have wanted but it wasn't there originally so they partnered with rocky mountain pro and so each one of our live shows goes on Twitch. Um, and that's how it kind of started that conversation. So we were like, okay, let's go into it full bore. Let's figure out how to, how to make this work. And I was like, you know what? This sounds awesome. I want to figure out how, how, how is this done? Like, what do we need and all that type of stuff. And then I just slowly just started to see the things that I already had. I watched a couple of Twitch shows, even YouTube as well, and tried to see, okay, what are people using to put on their shows? Like what's needed? And so very simple webcams are the first things, a a decent mic because webcam mics are garbage (laughs) and just little things. And I was trying to figure out if I actually wanted to do this, even on my own show, which I do, do, which I do, what's the bare minimum that I need to not get in my way? Um, And so that's what started to happen. So I just got these things. I got like three different webcams. Um, I got a condenser microphone. I also got a Blue Yeti microphone. Um, And then 
I just started helping Rocky Mountain Pro put on um, their shows. So there's two there's two facets to this. So we have our regular wrestling shows, which we put onto Twitch. Um, sometimes we get on the front page, which is awesome. We get a lot of viewers, and so we just put on our show, and people can actually watch that live. They can comment on our live, interact with our commentary team. Sometimes a wrestler will be on the broadcast, so it kind of makes it more personal because when you comment, we we, uh, we talk about it. You know, we say, hey, thank you for coming in. Thank you for your cheers. So it makes it more personal with the people watching. But also, because um, we want to get additional content, we have wrestlers that have their own unique shows as well. Um, so for me, it's wrestling with tech because I'm trying to bridge both of those passions together. My wrestling career, as well as the things that I like, uh, anything technology-based, whether it be security or something that I'm learning, uh, such as uh, Adobe Creative Cloud Suite. I'm on a whole thing right now with that. Um, so it's just taking those things that you like, and it also allows people to see beyond the wrestler. And you know, so some people may gravitate towards one wrestler and want to see more towards that person or, or vice versa. So by having this different content that allows people to interact. And so what I've been doing is not, ha- not only having my show, I'm helping other wrestlers put on their shows as well. And it's really allowing me to see what, even though it's low budget with webcams and things, it's allowing me to see what it takes to actually put on a show. Uh, one show that me and my wife put on together is called the Chongo Don't Show. One of our fellow wrestlers, great guy, uh, but he has like a variety show. And so what we do is we actually go to a venue. Right now we go to a local bar or, or a space that we have. And so we have the host, which is Chongo. And then we have a band. Uh, uh, one person's his son. He has two, we have two other members. Uh, we have a green screen backdrop. We have our microphones. And we're using a software OBS. That basically allows you, if you've ever seen anything video production where you see like a video of what's a preview of what's going to be up next as well as what's currently playing live, that software allows you to do that. And for me, it's like, it's just really cool being behind the computer and making all that happen and, and, and having all the tools to be able to do that and investing the time, money, and energy to put on something that's just, first of all, that's just fun, really. So we... We put together meeting notes. We talk about what's going to happen show-wise. We take up ideas. And then we have our time block, and we try to hit our cues. And that's me learning from what we've done with Rocky Mountain Pro, because that's what happens with the wrestling shows, that everybody has cues. Everybody has times, markers. You need to know what's happening when, who's up next. And so it's taking what I've learned from that and translating that to uh, a different format, just a different show. But I, right now, we're using OneNote. And so for each show, I'll make a one note. It has a template. So I'll make a template for the show that's coming up and any bullet points that we have, our run times, any links, any graphics, because we, we change the background dynamically, which makes it pretty cool with our green screen. But for me, that's, that's, that's so fun. And being able to do it with my spouse, it's brought us so much closer together. Um, it's allowed her to be creative as well because she does photography. And because we have lighting, she's always trying to make sure that the lighting's right and it's correct because with green screens, you got to have the light just right or it's going to look like garbage. <laughs> and so even after our show is done, me and her, we'll probably talk about talk about it after for an hour afterwards when we get home. Like, hey, this worked. This, this didn't work. This is what we want to do long term. Hey, what do you think about for episode 26? So even on a low scale, 
for me, it's like we're putting together a show. It may not be like on like cable. It's on, you know, online network, but it's it's still putting together a show and it's putting together a show with your friends. And you never know where that'll go. But for right now, it's it's fun. It's enjoyable. And we're, and we're already seeing we've done for him. We've done about 24 episodes. We've already seen the difference from like episode one to now night and day because we're all learning and we're all growing. You know, that's that's always one of the, the things that I find to be very, very uh, humbling. And like, I've, I've actually sat down with like, just clients of mine. Um, and they're like, Oh, man, but I don't have this. and I don't have that. And, you know, I don't have the, the latest DJI, like portable Osmo, like <laughs> gimbal camera or whatever. And, and I, I always go back and I play the very first episode of pit. And you can hear a very obvious audio difference. <laughs> like I didn't know what I was doing on the editing side. I didn't know what I was doing on the recording side. I didn't know, like I had audio bouncing all over the place. My gain was too high. There was like a hiss in the background. <laughs> like it was, it was so wild to hear that first conversation in comparison to some of the conversations that I do now. And it's funny because people have talked like, oh, dude, what's your what's your audio setup? Well, right now my audio setup is all over the place, but normally I'm like recording in a closet with like, I always say the the studio blanket. And, and that's literally like a $3 quilt that I picked up from Goodwill that I nailed to the walls of my closet to dampen sound. And just little little cheap things like that that people don't ever think about can make the world of a difference. Now I'm sure there's probably a little bit of an echo now, just because again, my office is a mess. Uh, for those that don't know, a few months ago we had our, uh, my wife and I had our first child and that means we had to take two offices and make them one office. And she's now back at work. And, you know, that means that, you know, she has the fortune of, of working from home and that means our, our office is currently two offices combined and uh, space is limited, which is actually a good thing for me because that's going to help with some of the uh, audio bouncing around because we have hardwood floors, which people will tell you never record on hardwood floors. It's like it's just a, a sound nightmare. But for me, I love I love a couple of things which you said, and we'll, we'll wrap it up in that area. Uh, one, it allows you to connect with your family a little bit. And I think that's awesome because I, I'm I'm glad that your wife decided to do the same thing of helping with the production side and not with the wrestling side. Cause I feel like if, if you had two wrestlers in one home, Oh man, I, I don't want to, I don't want to see an argument at that point, but at the same time she's getting into it and she's getting involved. And, you know, you mentioned at first, she was like, well, I'm not, I didn't marry a wrestler, you know, <laughs> I married a, a security analyst. And, and now like you're able to work together in this area that, that really, allows you to pursue your passions, but also allows her to pursue, to pursue her passions. And I think that that's something that a lot of married couples could benefit from being able to see a, a couple working together to achieve a goal. Um, the other thing that you mentioned was you, it gave you a way to combine the two areas of your life that you enjoy working with technology and then working in the wrestling space and being able to say, hey, I see a need in this one area, and I have all of this previous or existing knowledge 
from this other area. Let me find a way to marry the two. Um, I, I, I tell uh, clients all the time, there's this Japanese uh, principle called ikigai, which, and I'm probably butchering that phrase, but <laughs> <laughs> it's the idea of finding what makes you happy in life as a career. And it's the balance of what you enjoy doing, what you're good at doing, what the world needs, and what they're willing to pay for. <laughs> and I thought, I was like, wow, that's a very realistic principle. But it's like when you combine all those things in the middle, that is the the profession that would be perfect for you. And that is why a lot of uh, people in the Japanese community and the Japanese, uh, I guess I don't want to say country because as someone who's lived in Japan for a while, like regions are very, very diverse, but people in from Japan tend to live longer lives and live more fulfilled lives. And they tend to work and like they, they don't, they don't necessarily retire. Like they work and then they die. And it's like, Oh wow. He worked until he was like 94 years old. And that's insane. And, but it's, it's these people are doing what they are kind of optimized to do. And it seems like you have kind of stumbled into this position of saying, Hey, I know technology. I really like to wrestle. There was a need for someone in the wrestling space that knew technology and now you're being able to take the things you've learned, not only from technology, but from wrestling and apply that into a third area of this, you know, streaming and production that allows you to do things from a very unique perspective that is now growing because of that uniqueness. Definitely. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, and I, I'm, I'm not even going to try to say the Japanese phrase that you did, but. I feel like naturally that's where I've gotten. It's taken me a while to get to that point mentally, but I've started to understand that I need to find out what makes me happy. Not just chasing almighty dollar. That's going to come one way or another, but finding something that makes you passionate about. And I think we were talking about this earlier and then people see that passion, then that happiness, and then everything kind of comes after that. And I think for the longest time, it took me, it, it, it took me a roundabout way to find that balance. And I think I've even mentally, I've been, I've just been saying, I need to find the balance. I need to find the balance. And I think I've finally kind of found that being able to wrestle and then do my day job, which is just nine to five. I don't work on the weekends. That's awesome. Um, and then being able to do this extra stuff with my wife with putting on the shows. And then we still talk about it and we communicate and we figure out how we can do it better. It's that balance that's been, that's, that, that, I, that I haven't had um, in so long. And so now finally having it, like I feel like a weight's kind of lifted off my shoulders a bit. Because here's the thing, uh, in wrestling, we call it a bump card. You can't wrestle forever. Not everybody can be Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. Like you can't wrestle forever. And so even if I can't, even if one day I do decide to hang it up, I think I'll still want to be around it. And being able to, and, and having the skill set of knowing what a production setup is, you know, maybe somebody needs somebody to help with doing production or commentary or doing Twitch live streams at another wrestling company, or maybe I can transition to that full time in the company that I'm with right now. It allows me still to be around the thing that I love, even if one day I can't be in the ring and work with my wife because she'll be taking pictures and helping with all the stuff. So it's that balance. I think that I finally found, found myself uh, in that position, which is great. That is very, very awesome. All right. So before we jump in to the bonus part of this interview, which by the way, 
If you are listening right now, that means you are more than likely listening to the standard feed. If you decide, hey, you know what, I want a little bit more of this conversation that uh, that I had with Trey, what you can do is you can go over to the show notes that you're, you're, you know, whatever podcast player you're listening to, click on the show notes and look for that button that says support productivity in tech. Once you click that button, it's going to take you over to our Kofi page and we don't use Patreon because we, we found something a little bit different. If you like this episode and this episode only, and you want to give us $3 just to help support all the money that we had to pay to get this production done. Uh, I, I'd love to say that we paid Trey a million dollars to have him come out and, and sit in, you know, San Diego with me and be on the interview. We're not there yet, but we're trying to get there. Um, obviously not a million dollars level, but it starts with every single penny. Every single penny helps a ton. And that's why we asked for $3, $3 over on our Kofi page that supports a week of production. So for every one person that gives us $3, that is another week that we get to do this, not having to worry about how we're going to keep the lights on in the podcast. So be sure to go do that. Or if you just enjoyed this conversation and you want to tell somebody about it, go out and tweet, use the hashtag pit podcast, P I T podcast. And you can also follow prod and tech. That is at P R O D underscore N underscore tech. And we'll be happy to connect with you. Maybe we'll even have you on the show next time. But if you do either one of those things, what you'll do is you'll get a little link from us that sends you to the bonus episode. That's right. There's a bonus episode. And uh, I can't tell you what that's all about. You'll just have to, to contribute and find out. But Trey, before we jump into that, let everybody know how they can connect with you, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's on Twitch to uh, follow you on Wrestle With Tech. Sure, no problem. Yeah, on Twitter, which I'm terrible at keeping up with, you can follow me at Russell with Tech, and on Twitch, you can follow me at Twitch.tv forward slash Wrestling with Tech. Um, I'm usually on those two platforms, uh, so feel free to reach out. Um, I'm doing a whole bunch of just random nonsense. I can totally dig that. All right, so for this has been the the actual episode. Like I said, if you want to catch that bonus content, be sure to go over to our Kofi page by clicking the support productivity and tech button in the show notes. But for everyone that is still listening, this is Jay Miller, and we will catch you next time. I hope we've been productive. All right, Trey, you ready for the bonus round, the after show, the thing that everybody has paid to to hear? Spin the wheel. I'm ready. Let's do All right, this. so... You know, you know how this works. At the end of each show, I've had a lot of questions that I've asked my guests, but I'm sure that they have some questions for me. So I flipped the host button around. You are now the host. This is now Cooking with Dr. Dre. And I want to figure out what exactly you have for me question-wise. And it can be about anything. But at this point, the show is yours. Sure. No problem. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, thank you, Jay. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Much appreciated. <laughs> Anytime. Glad I could be here. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it when people I'm... actually own it. They're like, no, this is my podcast right now. Let's do this. <laughs> like, right. That's, How convenient. That is all the right. best way to get into it. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, so an issue for me, it's always been an issue, is organizing files, right? So whether you're working on web development or a media project, I'd like to ask you, what's your best way of file organization so you don't lose your mind? Whether that's keeping things locally, in the cloud, or using Notion, how do you keep sanity with all the different files, formats, projects that you're working on? 
So the one thing I will say probably has saved my bacon more than anything else is that I am a backup freak. Like I have so many backups and that is something that I I definitely do that allows me to be a little, I don't want to say loose with, with my file organization, but it does allow me to kind of operate with the idea of if I don't know where to find something, I at least know where the backup is. So I'm good there. Now, in terms of storing information, um, it really just depends on what we're talking about. I mean, if I'm, what I like to do is I like to think of, of different phases of information. If something is short term, it's going in a notebook. It's going, you know, on a piece of paper where I can just flip to a page and find what I'm looking for. If it's a little bit more long-term stuff, if it's business-related, it does go into Notion, which is how we track, uh, I think we were talking about this at the beginning, uh, everything uh, from the business side, whether it's podcasting, whether it's podcast production uh, that we do for some other podcasts, and or if it's just you know using it as a CRM tool or a task manager between my business partners and I, um, everything goes into Notion just so that everyone can be on the same page. Um as far as physical files go, I have abandoned the idea of a folder for everything. Um, and I've essentially just started going under the idea of if you know how you named something, our computers are fast enough that you can often just search for what you're looking for and find it. Um, case in point, I use a tool called Alfred that it is literally the first thing that I install on every new computer that I've ever used or owned probably in the last five, six, seven years. And the reason I do that is because Alfred has this indexing feature to where kind of like with a, a Windows PC where you open up the start menu and you just start typing something and it can find it. Uh, and I, I essentially do that. And as a developer, uh, I have come to love the grep tool uh, from the command line, which is Literally, it's a it's a tool that comes with every single terminal, um, every Unix-based terminal, at least. I think there is a Windows version. I think it's just called Find, but I'm not sure. But if I'm looking for how a piece of code was used in, in a script, I'll just grep that line of code or, or variable in that line, and then I'll give it a scope, and it'll just search everything, all the files for that line of code, and then show me what I'm looking for. And then I'll see where it is, and then I'll open up that file and look at it. Um, I, I again, I am probably not the best example for this, because I do know of people who are like Evernote prodigies that have their own dashboards in Evernote, and that show you how where everything is, and they have a place for everything and everything in its place. I'm not like that. For me, it's all about, I want to save this information I want to save it with a name that I'll remember that's unique enough that it's not going to, uh, you know, get caught up or overwritten. And then I just want to be able to find it when I need it by using either Alfred or using something like grep. If we're talking about like actual written code. Nice. Yeah. I think I've heard you mention Alfred before as well. I think I did have it on my Mac at one point, not sure if it's cross platform uh, supported, but I'll probably look at that again. I do I do a lot more stuff on my Windows computer nowadays just because I, I build a custom PC and I use it for my high-end gaming as well as doing my streaming, uh, especially when I'm using a capture card. So I'm starting to move over here more. So I will look to Alfred just because I have a ton of different files and trying to have organization is something that it can become a roadblock. I think I've had a, have a format that might work for me, but then again, I keep changing things around. So yeah, I might check that out. 
I know that Alfred isn't on Windows, but I'm pretty sure that they do have an alternative. Um, and actually, I just opened up Alfred now, and I have a custom search command. So if I type in ALT space, that says search alternative two, and that's a that's a website that basically if I type in alternative two, and then Alfred, it will open up my uh, web browser. It'll go to alternative two dot net, and it'll search for Alfred, and then I can tell you now. Let's see. Let's go Windows. Uh, there's something called Wox. There's Listery. There's uh, Kipirina. There's Cerebro. There's Find and Run uh, Robot. Recent X. Hain Freeder. So I've, and the list keeps going of right. all of these different uh, Windows applications. And I do this a lot because I, you know, with coaching, someone's always saying, "Oh, well, you know, I used to use this, but my work machine is a Windows machine," or you know, I'm I I'm looking for something that does this specific thing. So, you know, with a few keystrokes, I've automatically opened up the exact page that I want. I've searched for the tool that I want. And then Alternative 2 allows me to filter based on whether it's free, whether it's commercial or open source, uh, what platform it's on. And then they'll even they, they do some other stuff where they have like some lists on the side, a little bit more product honey type stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. And, and like I said, it's not a matter of being able to like click a link in like my bookmarks. I don't have bookmarks like I, I just I have a hotkey for stuff and I just type what I'm looking for and it finds it. And like I'll probably what I'll do is I'll wind up I'll hit command P here and I just added this to my pin board. So now I know if I'm ever talking to Trey and I was like, oh, yeah, Trey was asking me about that thing. It's in my pin board, and then I can just go. I'll open up Spillo, which is my pin board client that I use. I'll type in Alfred, and it'll take me to this exact page again. That way, like if I don't remember that I went to Alternative 2, I probably would, but in case I didn't remember, like I said, having a backup, having multiple ways to get to the same information. Nice. Awesome. Oh, definitely really good stuff. All right, sweet. So I'll move on to question number two, sir. Um, and this is also going to kind of be like a generic question, but, and I think this is something that I'm learning more to accept and try to get out of my own way. It's the fear of failure. I've always, there's, I have so many great ideas, but being afraid to even try, I think that stops a lot of people from achieving their success or even know if they're, they're good at anything. So with you and productivity in tech, you've, you've got a lot of stuff going on, not only the website, but getting your guests on the podcast. And, and of course, now you have a baby, so it's balancing. What failures do you think have helped you? Uh, well, which failures do you think have helped you the most? I think everybody's failed at one point or another. But as you've been putting this together, what type of failures do you think have helped you to get to where you are today? Um, that, that's kind of a hard question and, and only because I, I tend to look at it and, and I, this is just something that has happened over time. Um, the, the idea of failure, if, if I don't learn from something that didn't have an expectation or didn't, you know, happen the way that I expected it to, that's what I consider failure. If, if I don't learn from that mistake or, or misplay. Now I can't really talk much in the pit side of things only because, I mean, we're we're basically starting over. Like, I think the biggest failure that I had with Pitt was, uh, excuse me, was trying to grow too fast and kind of abandon that initial thought that I had for Pitt, which was, hey, let's create 
a community of people. Let's create an environment where people are allowed to be themselves. They're allowed to feel comfortable and hopefully learn from one another. But let's do it in a way that eventually I would be able to make a living off of. And, you know, I, I tell people this all the time. I had a I had an interview with someone that I don't even think we aired the interview. Um, but it was a great conversation that I had with this person. And, and they make way more money than I do. And they were telling me basically like, hey, if you want to be successful with this, you're going to need to really go up on your pricing. Like you can't scale this in a way that makes sense at the rate that you're charging. And I I believe that. And I said, okay, well, if we're going to do this, then we have to change who we target, who we market to and, and all those things. And what I noticed was I became so depressed just trying to treat Pitt as a business and not treat it as, like you said, a passion project. You know, uh, the one advice that I would give you just kind of getting into that streaming area, don't ever look at the numbers. Don't look at the numbers. Or if you do look at the numbers, don't let the numbers matter. Treat every single individual as an important thing. Like, you remember us talking a long time ago, like, I I did a a plethora of other things before we got into Pitt. And one of those things was I was a, a pastor for this homeless ministry, And I used to tell them every single number matters. Why? Because each person matters. Each individual one matters. And whether that number is five or 5,000, I want to treat it as if each one matters. So I think the biggest mistake was losing sight of that. And the biggest thing that helped to become, I wouldn't even say successful. You know, it's weird. I've had so many people talk about success lately. I wouldn't consider where I'm at successful yet. I'm happy, and that's a good thing, because, I mean, I wouldn't, I wasn't even that like six months ago, but at the same time, now, I am just, I'm I'm about it. Like, I, I, you you remember, who, who was it? Who was the rapper that used to say about it, about it all the time? Was it Master P? Oh, God. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Edited in post. I don't have an answer. <laughs> yeah, it's just like literally, I'm, I'm about it, about it. Like it's that's the way that I feel now. Is that when I'm when I'm doing a conversation, I'm about the conversation. One of the things I do when I coach with my clients is I actually take notes on paper. And people wonder like, why do you take notes on paper when you could just type them into your computer and stuff? It's like, yeah, but if I do that, I might get a notification or somebody will tweet me or something like that. And I want to devote a hundred percent of my time to the person that I'm talking to at the moment. So for me to literally write all my notes in on paper, process this, uh, process them, and then like transcribe it and put it into my note taking platform and all that stuff after the fact, that does a few things. One that allows me to fully focus on the conversation that we're having and not worry about what else is happening in the world. But then two, it allows me to review that stuff again. So each coaching call ends with like a recap that I send to them. And in order to do that recap, I have to scan in the handwritten notes, and then I transcribe them using Prismo. And Prismo is great, but it's not perfect. So then I have to go through it again, and then just verify, like make sure each line is right. And then make all the little tweaks to stuff, and then write that recap that I can send to my clients after the fact. And that means that in the span of, you know, that's over, that's over like a couple of days, because normally it's like, I'll have one call, and then I'll have to go do something, or I'll be on the road or something like that. But 
that means I'm sitting down and I'm reviewing those notes constantly. And I'm, I'm figuring, okay, what can I add to my coaching, you know, platform? What can I add to, you know, hey, this is a future blog post one day, or hey, this will be something for the newsletter. Like, I'll be able to do all of those things because of the fact that I'm limiting myself. And, and I learned that because of, one, knowing my weaknesses, knowing that I have ADHD, and like, I can't focus on too many things at one time. But... Again, I wouldn't call those failures. I would call those learning lessons. And the only failures that I have were losing sight of that. And I wouldn't even call that a failure because, as I mentioned in my latest newsletter post, it took doing that to realize that what I had was actually worth something. No, that was definitely great. And that's actually a good way to, to turn it to, right? So failure, probably the wrong terminology. But yeah, things to learn from. And I think... And I think we were talking about it too with, with people that, you know, want to do things or, you know, I want to get started with a podcast, but I don't have all this stuff is because you're afraid to start with the little things that you do have. Like you said there, you can start off with some very small stuff. Not everything's going to be perfect. So being able to put yourself out there to have a learning lesson because in the event, it doesn't go the way that you want. So nice. Well so, so what's interesting with that is the people that tend to get on Ellen DeGeneres and on Oprah and all these talk shows and become an internet meme and an internet sensation. They're usually like little stuff that was shot on an iPhone in the moment. Like it wasn't something that had a giant production studio behind it. And, you know, it wasn't orchestrated and waiting for the perfect lighting and everything else. It was like, here is a thing that most people can relate to. It's recorded. The audio is probably garbage, but at the same time, the moment was captured. And that's the thing that's important. Like I'll admit there are a lot of podcasts that I would love to listen to, but I can't because the audio quality is absolutely terrible. But there are also a lot of podcasts that like I, I've recorded podcasts and some of my favorite podcasts that I've done. I, I recorded a podcast in the drive-through line at a Chick Fil A, you know, trying to get a sandwich, and literally just being in such a terrible position and just needing to to vent. And I've had so many people come back to me and say, you know what, that was one of the best episodes I have ever listened to from any podcast. Like you're, you're literally, you're just being very transparent. You're being open. You're being real. And and that's the thing is a mistake that a lot of people can make is not being authentic. And if people see that authenticity in you, if they see the passion, we've said it like four or five times now, if people see the passion in what you're doing. They're not going to care if it was recorded on your cell phone, if it was recorded through some earbuds, if it was recorded on a tape recorder, <laughs> you know, we'll kick it old school. You got your boom box, you hit record and play at the same time. And you just sat there and like threw your feelings out on the tape. Like that's, they're not going to care. What they're going to care about is the message that's was, that's inside of it. And if that's a good message, it doesn't matter how bad the quality is. Perfect. That was, that was a great, that was a great great analogy right there and just awesome examples as well. And yeah, people just have to get out their own way sometimes. Um, and the last question I'm going to leave you on because my, my dogs are looking at me like, Hey, Hey dude, I need you to take me outside. <laughs> um, yeah. The last question I'm going to leave you on is actually the one that you gave me um, is balance. How have you, how have you managed the balance between pit work, the wife, the new baby, uh, I'm sure it's probably a continuous learning lesson as well, but how, how do you manage that balance in your life? I think for me, the the thing that helped the most was learning that I can't do everything. Like as much as I would love to be 
you know, I say Spider-Man because Superman's an alien and that just ain't cool. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll get into, we can get into Marvel, Marvel versus DC stuff later, but oh, we can have a whole podcast. <laughs> <on that. laughs> but you know, as much as I want to be a superhero, I know that just, just by being present, I'm a superhero to my family. I'm a superhero to my daughter. And I mean, she's like three months old right now. So like if I make a funny face at her, I'm a superhero. That's, that is great. That is like the best thing ever. I am dreading the days when she is like 13 with an attitude and I literally got to jump through hoops to get a smile out of her because right now it's, it's not that difficult. Just be present. (laughs) And you know, that's, that's a thing. You know, I, I, we were talking about this. My schedule for tomorrow is absolutely cramped. I've got, you know, luckily for Pitt, I've got like three Pitt podcast interviews tomorrow and I've got some coaching calls. So like, I'm going to be, I'm waking up at six o'clock in the morning to record for three pot, three different podcasts. Then after that, I've got to do a business meeting. Then after that, I've got a coaching call. Then after that, I've got two podcast interviews for Pitt and it was like, okay, Saturday's kind of shot. How do I fix this? And I said, well, all right, let me make sure Sundays can't be booked. So if you go to my little Calendly page where people go to schedule podcast interviews with me, they cannot book on Sunday because Sunday is a day that, you know, that's when my wife and I, we go to church, we do our grocery shopping. Uh, we make a day of it. Like we'll, we'll go get ice cream, maybe, hopefully, I don't know, with me being sick, she's like, no milk stuff. So I'm like, whatever. Um, but we literally take that time and and we're intentional about that time. And we actually do a business meeting. My wife is technically a co-owner for Pitt. She does some of the administrative stuff behind the scenes, making sure that people are getting invoiced, which is kind of important. (laughs) So, you know, that, that is a thing, just like how, you know, Mrs. Island is doing the photography stuff behind the scenes. You know, my wife is also behind the scenes getting involved with the business and, she sees the passion that I have for it. So she is always, you know, one of the biggest cheerleaders for Pitt. And she's also one of those biggest, you know, balancing points. You know, you talk about finding the balance. She will straight up tell me like, yo, you need to pay some attention to us. And I'm like, okay, yes, ma'am. Say no more. You got it. Or she'll say, Hey, you know, how's this thing coming along or how's it like, she'll, she'll talk about stuff that I haven't thought about in like a couple of weeks and I'll just be like, Oh yeah, you're right. I should probably go in and and focus on that. But I, I think more than anything is being open and being on the same page, like understanding, like my wife sees my calendar. She sees my business calendar. She sees my recording schedule. But at the same time in that, that's how we plan doctor's appointments. That's how we plan outings. That's how we plan, you know, date night. It's if we have a date night planned, someone can't book that time on the podcast. It's and and that's intentional. I don't I don't want that time to be taken away from my family. Uh, I can't say that I'm absolutely perfect on that. Again, you should see my schedule for tomorrow for a proof. But at the same time, when she knows that the passion that I have for this is so that I can provide and be more present for my family, that helps. But at the same time, actually getting her involved. And, you know, it's funny, like the the other business we have, J&J Media, it's funny because one of the co-founders whose name is also Jay, or his nickname is also Jay, the plan was to use J&J Media, whether or not that person was coming on board or not, because Jay is my daughter's name too. So it was gonna be like, hey, you know, one day you might take over the family business or 
I want her to be around helping me edit podcasts and helping me with like learning coaching stuff. And I mean, she doesn't have to, if she doesn't want to, but just that desire to have her present and have the, it be a family business. I think that provides a little bit of balance that, you know, a lot of people that are just trying to do it by themselves can't really get. No, definitely. And you are doing an amazing job, man. Like I said, it's, it's been crazy how we originally linked up. Like I was just, Listening to, I was, I was just looking for productivity podcast one day. Yours popped up, and it was, it was that passion in your voice that I heard. And I was just, and I was like, man, this guy is freaking amazing. And next thing you know, we meet up in California for the Python course. And, you know, now I'm a continued member of productivity and tech. So it's been amazing to see you continually grow, to see, to see how, how much you put into this because, you know, it's something that you really do love. You do enjoy. And that's just amazing, man. And it's, it's a, it's a big motivation to me as well. I I think one of the things that a lot of people inside of the community, you have, we have some of those people that have been there since day one, like, uh, shout out to programazing. He's been at one point, we literally had like 2000 people in a Facebook group and, we had like we had this Slack channel. It all started with the Slack channel, the exact same Slack channel that's there today. And we had like 200 people in there and, and he was one of them. And then everybody just kind of like disappeared. And then we started like we shifted focus to this Facebook group, which that was a horrible mistake. <laughs> Don't do that ever. But I remember having to keep that like Slack team open just because like he and like one other person <laughs> were still in it. And then after like six months later, I was like, you know what? I'm just going back to the Slack group. <laughs> screw this. He was still in there and like, he was still logging in, still checking in. And he and, uh, uh, Jimmy Reeks, you know, shout out to Jimmy, you know, they're one of the original people that like, I don't even remember why, but they just joined and they've just been around and they've been helpful and they've been participating. And, you know, it's funny, we started doing this, uh, birthday present thing just this year, uh, now that we're an actual business and we have a little bit of income coming in. And it's funny that like the first people to, when we went to the membership route, some of the first people to actually join as members were the people that were there since day one. When we were like, oh, hey, we're we're shutting doors for a little bit to deal with some stuff. They were the people that were still messaging, you know, in the chat, helping keeping things alive. You know, I, I tell people like last year was hard for me. Like I, I took something that I'd been working on for three years basically shut it down and had to take a long time to get myself in a position to where I could even run it. And when it came back, it was almost 100% different than what it was when it originally started. And if it weren't for those people that have been in there from day one and, and the people that it came on later, like, like I said, you know, the fact that uh, we were roommates in a hotel because I was like, Hey, I'm going to this conference. It would be great to know somebody because this is the first conference I've ever been to. And honestly, I'm nervous about it. And you were like, yo, I've never been to a conference. Let's do this. <laughs> like, like we'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> and, nice. and to just be in that position and to have people that were so supportive that, that is what keeps me going day in and day out. I've had people ask me that, like, why have you ever thought about quitting? Yeah, all the time. Like, I have quit. Technically, you can't find the old podcast anymore. Well, you can. It's just really hard because, like, I literally blew everything away. Like, I destroyed, I deleted the podcast out of iTunes. I, like, shut down the websites. I deleted all the files. Like, I was to the point where I did not want anything to do with productivity, 
technology or any combination of it. And it was the people that stayed in spite of that helped me through the issues that I was going through. But then at the same time, we're still able to kind of get me out of that funk and to realize like, Hey, you were just in a little dark spot, but now that you've got that all figured out, let's attack this. Let's really, really attack this. Let's do it in a way that, you know, people have never seen before with so much intentionality, so much passion and just so much excitement for a topic for two topics that are quite boring in most people's eyes and really start to work to help people. And I mean, you say I'm doing a great job. Honestly, it's it's you guys. It's all y'all in the chat room, Arlene, all of y'all that are really making the community what it is. And I mean, I have to thank y'all. Oh shucks. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, this 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 has been great. Thank you very much for having me on. Hey, first episode of 2019. This has been great. Hopefully to be on more. Um, but no, man. Um, I do have to get ready to take these dogs out, but no, I uh, just like leaving on a positive note that I'm proud of you. I can't wait to see you guys next time. Like me and my wife actually are in California and it's not crazy. Last time was just, uh, it was E3. Yeah, we couldn't make it down and it was, oh, God. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Twitch, they do like a TwitchCon thing, right? Matter of fact, yeah, we ended up, uh, Rocky Mountain Pro, we ended up going to TwitchCon last year. Wait, was it TwitchCon? Oh, uh, somebody- I think it was TwitchCon. Yeah, I've been, you guys are in town. Well, hey, there's a they they've got a few conferences coming up in uh, San Diego, and I I always tell people like even if you don't go to the conference, just go to San Diego so that you can hang out with the people that did go to the conference. There so. you go, leech that information from them. Exactly. <laughs> nice, but yeah, that's all that I got. Uh, Jay, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. You're you're amazing. You're an inspiration, and hey, keep on pushing and driving, man. We'll do, man. All right, take care. Take care.